Welcome to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast, episode 88. Welcome to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast with your host, Jack Mountain Bushcraft School founder and master main guide, Tim Smith. I'm your host, Tim Smith. I'm a registered master main guide and have been a full-time outdoor instructor and guide since founding the Jack Mountain Bushcraft School in 1999. We help people become more skilled, more knowledgeable, more experienced, and more confident in the natural world through our bushcraft and guide training semester programs and multi-week canoe and snowshoe expeditions. You can check out the show notes to all of our podcasts at blog.jackmtn.com. If you're interested in learning more about our college-accredited and GI Bill-approved programs, visit the Jack Mountain Bushcraft School on the web at jackmtn.com. And check out our online network and digital learning academy at bushcraftschool.com. Hello and welcome back to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast, episode 88. Uh, We're recording this on Sunday, June 21st, the solstice. Mm -hmm. And Christopher and I in the Guide Shack, we just wrapped up week 7 of the spring 2020 wilderness guide training semester. And... For the last two weeks, we were out on the Allagash Wilderness Waterway, traveling close to 100 miles, definitely over 100 miles when you include all the little back and forths. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so we were out there with our students and it was a great trip. So today we're going to talk about that trip um, and some of the events that unfolded while we were out there. And we're also going to talk about, uh, get a little philosophical, philosophical. Philosophical, philosophical, word you're philosophical, uh, and talk about uh, free the sleeve. Yeah, yeah, it'll be a good time. It was a good time on trail as well. Yeah. So it's hot now in it's northern gross. Maine. We've had an interesting spring where one day it would be snowing, and two days later it's ninety degrees, and um, yeah. So we spent yesterday, we got off the trail on Friday, and Christopher and I spent yesterday sitting in the Aroostook River, and Mm -hmm. it's warm. Like, I sat in the water up to my neck for about an hour and didn't get remotely chilled. Yeah, it was bath water. So it's warm. And today's another day of, like, high 80s, low 90s, and the bugs are out. This is a hard time in the Northwoods this time of year. Um, because you're either, you have two choices. Do you sweat to death and cover up or do you try to wear fewer clothes and then feed the bugs? I sit in the water till I'm hypothermic. That's, That's my plan. It's always a good plan. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, Allagash Wilderness Waterway is one of Maine's signature canoe trips. Um, the beginning of the trip is about 30 miles where you're crossing some big lakes And then we hit the river, and then it's about 65 more miles of river until we get down to Allagash Village, where the Allagash uh, feeds into the St. John River. Um, I am on record for numerous decades of saying that it takes 100 miles to learn how to paddle or pole a canoe. And ironically, or coincidentally, this trip is just... No, 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 we did it on purpose. This trip is just about 100 miles. Uh, and you, we saw it happen with students at the beginning of it. You know, they had been paddling for a while, but lake miles make you learn how to use a paddle effectively because it's just labor intensive. And then towards the end of it, um, the water is real low. And I watched every student that was polling start to pick lines that were correct and they could float through stuff that anybody else we passed was dragging through, which was 
is always a cool feeling. Yeah. And these guys met um, a guy named Norm Letalian. And... Well, I want to talk about that at the end oh, of the trip. okay. Yeah. Uh, got a little bit of a narrative going oh, on. Oh, I see. Yeah. So we put in at Chamberlain Bridge uh, on Chamberlain Lake, which separates Chamberlain Lake from Telos Lake. And we paddled the first day, wicked headwind. We made about a third of a mile, yeah. maybe a half a mile to the Boy Scout campsite at mm-hmm. the foot of Chamberlain Lake. And just huge white caps rolling down that big lake. So we said, hey, okay, we're going to make camp. And then we got into some of our um, camp protocols and made a plan to get up early the next morning to make some miles. Because Chamberlain is one of those lakes where if you, I've been trapped there for four days in the same spot. You know, when the winds come up because it's aligned to the prevailing wind. So I've seen four foot high waves there. Uh, thankfully, we didn't have that. But the next day we left early and uh, dead calm for the first hour or two. And then the wind started to come up a little bit of a chop yep. and gave us a little bit of trouble getting some of the slower paddlers into camp. So on this trip, we always have at least one tandem canoe. And on this trip, that's what we had. And everybody else was paddling a solo canoe. Um, big 18-foot canoes, uh, paddling them solo. People really learn their way around a boat on that trip. And every time we do this, uh, I'm always grumbling and saying this is the last time we're ever doing solo canoes because it's hard work, especially when people are still learning. So maybe by the time you listen to this, we'll have thrown in the towel on the the solo canoes for big long trips because it's a lot of labor. So we got into camp at Gravel Beach, um, Beautiful spot, big, big beach, um, had some oh, great had, sunset yeah, photos. clear night, we did a big star talk out on the beach, which was awesome. Yeah, and the next day we got up early again, because we had to make it the remaining five miles down Chamberlain to uh, Lock Dam and into Eagle Lake. So we got up, and probably about an hour into our paddling, we started to get a light head, a light tailwind from behind us, which was a nice change, yeah. Oh, right? Yeah, huge Huge benefit for sure. Blue skies and tailwinds don't suck. No. So we got to the dam. We carried our stuff around the dam. We looked at the... uh, They rebuilt the lock dam since the last time I was there a year ago. um, Maybe a year and a half ago. So the dam is all new. uh, And there's more water going down Martin Stream on the way to Eagle Lake now as a result. But we hobnobbed around. We went over and checked out the cabin there that Dorothy Boone Kidney, who wrote the book Away From It All, lived in. And then we got out onto Eagle Lake, and by the time we got to Eagle Lake, there was a pretty good breeze blowing, right? It was a ridiculous tailwind. It was, uh, but it was sort of, we were kind of paddling across it, yeah. so we didn't, it wasn't a straight tailwind for that first section, right. and you know, some people struggled a bit there, but then when we turned, it was a straight up tailwind coming from directly behind us. So we stopped for lunch at uh, Thoreau Island at the Thoreau campsite, there's a spring there, the spring was dry. Yeah, the spring was not flowing. It was a shame, Which yeah. became a kind of a trend for us. And after lunch, we said, oh, yeah, well, let's, we'll paddle on down Eagle Lake because we got this big tailwind. Let's take advantage of it. So we got out there, and then, you know, there were probably two and a half, three foot waves, probably a 20 mile an hour wind. Um, but it was just pushing us the direction we wanted to go. So we said, well, let's, let's just keep going. You know, fatigue is a great teacher, I think, when you're out paddling. Um, just because as you get tired, you try to refine your paddling stroke to the point where you're not putting in unnecessary muscular action into things that aren't moving you forward. Yeah. And having the tailwind, um, you're just, you're just the, all the fatigue is coming from just keeping the boat straight. Yeah. Um, we had one student who was a little lightly loaded in his boat and the front of it was 
acting like a sail. And every time I looked behind him, it looked like a submarine coming up out of the water because he yeah. was popping up so high above the waves. It was like pretty evil funny. Knievel riding yeah, down the lake pretty funny. on a motorcycle doing a wheelie <laughs> it was pretty the whole funny. way. Next to it, one of the other students uh, was is a bigger guy and had stood up and used himself as a sail. And eventually it got so choppy we had to tell him to sit down because yeah. he was going to go over. Uh, so, yeah, we decided because we had that big tailwind, let's just push on through Eagle Lake and get over to Churchill Lake. So that's yeah. what we did. Uh, yeah. But not without mishap, you know, uh, we had a student break a paddle that they had made yeah. uh, just as we were going under the Johns Bridge into Churchill Lake, paddle snapped. Uh, so that was that was unfortunate. Yeah, it was a tricky, tricky thing. It had already been a long day. People were tired and we still had a little ways to go. I think we, what did we do, close to 20 miles that day just because of the tailwind, um, which is, it's great to have those days. They allow us to have like layovers and pretty spots and let people work on projects. But towards the end of them, people start to get a little worn out. Yeah. So it was deaf. People were definitely yeah. exhausted yeah, at the end of that day. But we got to spend a couple of nights at one of my favorite spots on the waterway at yeah. Schofield Point on Churchill Lake. And it's, you know, just stunningly Gorgeous. beautiful spot with huge pine trees and there was one time when we were all standing around the fire there and a giant bald eagle just circled like four times, literally right in front of the yeah. campsite. And then he swooped down and caught a fish like right he, there. He didn't even really catch it. He just lazily grabbed it. It was, it yeah. was pretty gr- good. It was pretty awesome. Um, it was pretty awesome. So then we went, made our way down the lake to Churchill Dam, <laughs> and some of us took some time and went in to see the little museum there. There's a lot of cool stuff there, lots of great history. And we talked about Helen Hamlin's book, uh, Nine Mile Bridge, which I've read a couple of times, and she started off. The book starts off there. It's her narrative of her life. She ended up marrying a game. She was a school teacher there, <laughs> and then she married one of the game wardens, and they lived at Churchill, at Umasaskis Lake, and at Nine Mile Bridge on the St. John Uh so if you're interested in those sorts of things, check out the book Nine Mile Bridge. It's it's interesting, great mm. book, historic Maine stuff. And because we were new to the to the rapids, we took advantage of the Ranger Portage service and carried all the gear around the Chase Rips. Christopher and I ran it uh, pretty quickly. Would we it took us an hour to do the five miles? If that, yeah, um, yeah. So it was fun. That was a good time. Good water. And then we loaded everybody up, and for the initial river section, uh, which is always interesting, right? Because we'd had times on the lakes and had times on local streams, but when we're in loaded boats headed downstream with the current pulling through the shallow rips, that's always an interesting first couple of miles. Yeah, it's sort of, this, you see the same thing twice on, on a trip like this, where at the beginning of the lakes, people are starting to really fine-tune the paddling, and just as they figure that out, we got into the river and then they had to sort of fine-tune the polling and move away from all the paddling stuff they had just figured out, which is good. I think it meant that it stopped being boring and not boring, but you, they started to develop new skills again, which is the whole point, right? Yeah, so we camped there at uh, Chisholm Brook, the foot of Umasaskis, and then the next day got up and paddled to Long Lake Dam where we camped. And then from Long Lake Dam, we paddled down to round pond and stayed at the inlet campsite uh one of my favorites just a stunningly beautiful stunningly beautiful place where we did an overnight uh layover day there and i like that spot because the round pond rips at the outlet of round pond are a great um little rip for people to learn and master polling so 
we pull paddle and pull down there while all of our gear is still back in camp a half a mile away or a mile away and then we play in those rips go up down ferries holding in the rips setting into eddies eddy turns so all those things we practiced and worked on and then it's always a challenge for people to pull back up the rips to back to round pond back to camp so this is the spot at round pond rips where in 2000 i was on a trip with raymond Ritzy, who builds and runs all of his own wood canvas canoes and uh, I was the paddling sweep uh, the last boat then and I came around the corner and saw one of his beautiful wood canvas canoes wrapped around a rock so we had to pull it off and fix it in the woods and it was an interesting thing and I still it's weird you know when you paddle these sections of river you know I've been on the Allagash maybe once a year for 20 years a couple years twice a year but, you know, you still remember specific rocks and the stories that the rocks uh, remind you of that you saw happen there. Well, it's easy to remember them because so many of them are painted with the yeah. bottoms of canoes scraping over them. So I want to do a coffee <laughs> table book at some point in my life. I just go down the, the Allagash and take pictures of all the rocks with the green stripes and the orange stripes that are basically the when the canoes hit them, right? Yeah. So. I told everybody on the trip that uh, the rangers go out and paint the rocks those colors so that people can see them and avoid them. And I had a couple of people going for a while with that one. <laughs> it is fun if you have a group in front of you with a pole. I'm, you know, nothing against the other people that are paddling, but there's a there's a cool feeling when you paddle by a rock and you can see that there's like three different colors of paint on it, and you're just kind of scooting around it with a pole. That's always fun for me. So there is a point to this long, drawn-out narrative because when we got back after the after the uh, polling at Round Pond Rips, uh, a couple of people took opportunity of an afternoon off, paddled across Round Pond and hiked up the, the tower trail from the tower trail campsite. There's an old uh, fire tower. It's a couple of miles up, a couple of mile trail, but it was really hot and really buggy. It was, yeah. So when they came back, it was pretty late, 7-ish, 7 p.m.-ish. It's light until like 9.30, so it wasn't like, you know, they were in danger of, of being caught out in the dark but they got back and one of the people who had gone uh got out of the canoe instantly just vomited all over the beach yep. and then continued to vomit and dry heave for like the rest of the evening and into, into the, the night. morning yeah um so we had a we had to make some decisions we had to figure out number one what was going on Number two, is there any medical stuff that, that we could do, any aid that we could deliver? And number three, start considering our options for do we need to get this person out of the woods? Yeah, it was a late. We were probably up till around midnight or so trying to figure out what we should do. And yeah, it was, or just yeah. monitoring the situation, seeing if there's any changes. Really hard. So that's an interesting thing. As a guide, I've only one other time I had to evacuate somebody out of the woods for a medical reason. Uh, we were camped at... Churchill Dam and this person had a really bad new bug net and was sleeping under a bug net and a tarp and got bit by so many black flies through the night that in the morning their face was unrecognizable. It was like they had gone a few rounds with Mike Tyson in his prime. Uh, so I loaded this person up and thankfully I still had a vehicle there because we were just putting in there and drove him back to Ashland, went to the urgent care clinic and that person got a steroid shot instantly you know those things the the swelling goes away instantly and that person was able to uh you know be really active that trip and you know cutting lots of firewood tons of energy which led me to believe maybe we should all get steroid shots before we do a before long, every trip we should just, before a just long plan on trip. that so christopher and i sat up that night discussing our options which were to 
you know, put this person in the bow of my canoe and run them down the rapids and the river to Michaud Farm, which there's a ranger station and it's just a hop, skip and a jump from the town of Allagash uh, by road. And there's a ranger there and the ranger has a radio. There's no cell coverage in any of this. No. Um, so some people use sat phones. Usually we we don't. And it's a conscious decision to not have a uh, sat phone or communication satellite communication device out there um, but who knows maybe this will make me rethink yeah. that so there is a ranger on round pond we woke up in the morning the person who was sick was still, still sick, sick and threw up a bit in the morning and so i made the decision then after christopher and i discussed it where we paddled down to the ranger station knowing that he had a radio so we went in talked to the ranger told him the situation said we need to get this person out of the woods right yeah. they're severely dehydrated at this point having been thrown up all night yeah, there was nothing left in their guts. any water yeah nothing left in their guts so uh so he radioed out to the other ranger station they called our outfitter um norman Letalian from pelletier's campground an old friend of mine i've been working with norman for over 20 years um and then he met us at henderson bridge by round pond so i loaded up this person's gear and my gear and pulled the pulled us up river back to the bridge and then you know norman met us drove us out to my vehicle we got back to town and that person got some medical help yeah. and and you know i don't want to go into too many details about that but um uh but it was it was interesting and yeah. it, it's it's always dodgy you're always second guessing yourself something we do as part of our guide training and i think we had done it like the day before the day before we had talked about like lost person emergency yeah. situation emergency catastrophic scenario like medical emergency yeah. things like that you know what do you do and we've sort of got like a you know basically a flow chart of of here's what you need to do and and then you have to make hard decisions yeah so i will always tell you that say if we go out on a trip if, if you're listening to this and you came on a guided trip with us and somebody on the guided trip uh swung an axe or froze their toes or, or something bad happened medically the way that it works is essentially then the trip is over and we're trying to get that person out of the woods and to some medical help so that uh to make the best of the situation yeah um we were super fortunate that the ranger was i mean it was what a five minute paddle to his place from where we were yeah that was yeah that was a lucky thing for us um you know in retrospect could we have paddled out absolutely. to town definitely absolutely. you know I, if if you're not waiting for people and you're just kind of boogie and you know could have made it down to michel yeah. farm about 20 miles in about three hours i would say yeah. maybe four um you know and then we would have had a, a way out to town that way too yeah um but it still was very interesting for the people on the course because yeah. uh, what you forget when you study guide training, when you study leading remote groups in the wilderness, is that the emotional aspects. Yes. We've been together for seven weeks. We're like a small, tight-knit little family. Dysfunctional family, but still That's a family. Dysfunctional. Um, so yeah, everybody was worried about this individual. Are they going to be okay? You know, and what's wrong with them? And, and you know, everybody has their pet theories about mm -hmm. what was going on. Um, and we still don't have a definitive answer there, but, but when you have that emotional reaction, when you have a relationship with that person who's sick, it maybe changes your decision-making process a little bit. Uh, I will tell you, and when we do guide training courses such as this one, that probably the most important thing is caring about the people on your trip, you know, just for lack of a better term, giving a shit about the people. Yes. Uh, so obviously that was not 
that was the case. We obviously, you know, care about this person, yeah, have a strong relationship with them. So, um, it well, made it, it was, interesting. Yeah. And the next day, you know, you know, once Tim had left with them, I, the rest of the students and myself continued paddling on and it was really apparent that nobody had, nobody had really, I mean, you know, I was thinking that Tim and I were the ones that were up late, but everyone else, it became really clear that they had just sat up in their tent worrying about what was going on. Um, and that's a hard thing as the, as a guide or an educator is you're not just managing the sick person when it happens, you're managing everybody else and keeping them kind of sorted out as well as eventually getting to, uh, getting to yourself, like getting to sorting out if you have enough in the tank, making sure you have enough in the tank to deal with whatever's going on. Yeah. So, you know, in analyzing the situation, what did we do? Um, we took the most conservative route. This person was impaired, obviously, very dehydrated. So we said, let's get him out of the woods right away. Yes. Uh, other options that we could have done, we could have paddled that person downriver to the ranger station. We could have continued past the ranger station and finished the trip with that person, maybe help them carry all their gear around the falls. Mm -hmm. uh, but we opted for the most conservative... Uh, medically conservative route um which i'm comfortable with that mm -hmm. uh if i had been guiding the trip by myself if or if christopher had been guiding the trip by himself then you have a whole bunch of other questions that right. you need to answer so it's always great to have a like a two guides on a trip because then it gave us the flexibility to be able to number one evacuate that person but also not negatively impact the rest of the trip for the other participants um, yeah. So what happened after that? So, th so my trip was basically over two right. days early. Uh, so how did you guys finish the trip? Well, as we, uh, so we had another student on the course who had during the practice on those rips had fallen and sort of re-injured a pre-existing injury in his shoulder. And as about two hours into the trip, um, after Tim had started pulling away, it became really apparent that he was in, he was in a lot of pain trying to paddle, um, it was essentially just steering and even that was hurting him a lot. And, uh, we started to get towards Michelle farm and he just, he just, he started fading in and out, uh, mentally just from the pain. And so we put him in another boat and had another student walk his boat down to Michelle farm. And luckily by the time we got him there, you know, just the, just stopping paddling, he started to, started to kind of come back around and we got a little food and water into him and he was okay and luckily was able to finish the trip but um in that moment it was a, uh, you know again we were just lucky we were so close to the other ranger station because i was you know it was just me I, that was the only option i had at that point was to put him in somebody else's boat and get him down but it was uh yeah it was a, a learning experience for me as a guide to be the guy in charge and trying to make sure everybody was uh sorted out and everybody was taken care of and you know luckily like i say he got to finish the trip out with us and, and some other students got a, the great experience of um sort of learning to paddle and pull with somebody else in their bow and it was great it was we got to the uh the big carry at allagash falls and it was it was a long day we went through him kind of having his you know, having all the pain and then a big carry. And then I think we, we didn't get into camp until like seven thirty that night. And everybody just, I mean, you know, we were joking the whole trip. People have been cooking really well, but that night everybody just opened whatever cans they had scarfed them down and <laughs> fell asleep. Cause we were just, we were so beat. 
Yeah. That was our long day. I think we did 15 miles without a tailwind. And we, we were... left a canoe yes. at the ranger station. Yep. So then when I went, when I drove back up to Allagash to get everybody, I had to drive into Michel Farm and, yeah. and pick up that extra boat. And again, really lucky that we were, were in a place where we could do that because that would have been a tricky situation to figure out otherwise. Um, yeah, never had to do that before. Yeah. In 20, 21, 22 years of doing river trips in Maine that having to leave a boat but it's a good option i mean in the past i have had to tow a boat when someone got hurt yeah so i put them in my bow and then i towed their canoe which is uh, which was another option yeah but but, you know because the ranger station's right there no big deal well i had started to rig it up to tow it and then one of the students got a little bit ahead of me and just said it's right there and it was maybe i don't know 300 yards around a corner oh yeah yeah um so I, I had started to tie it up to tow it and then just kind of, if it was that close, made the call to just have somebody walk it rather than, because towing a canoe is not a, not a fun experience. It's a challenge. Yeah. So, but the takeaway I think that everybody learned on this trip uh, is that it's work. Yes. And I think that sometimes when people come here, you know, you see the pictures on the website, you see the videos and everybody's smiling and. I think that's a little bit overlooked. Like it's you're the only motor that you have when you're in a remote wilderness situation. So you're paddling all day, you're pulling all day, you're cutting firewood and it's physical work. It's physical labor. So we get off the river and especially if you're in a solo boat, you know, cause you're pushing that much harder. Yeah. Uh, but that's kind of baked into the experience um, with our school and our educational programming. Um, but you know, people are in great shape uh, on this course and still just, utter exhaustion it's hard you know i've been we've both been doing this a while now and it's still at the end of the days paddling it it's still just it's physically hard work yeah um and especially as the guide like trying to maintain that to where you still have enough in the tank to tell jokes when everyone else is tired it's it's tough yeah it's hard it's physical a hard work. thing yeah uh but good work it's fun it's, it's still oh, it's enjoyable the, the the growth that occurs on these long trips is amazing that we started off with people who were having trouble. You know, we joke about it a few weeks ago, day one, pulling on the pond here. People fall out of the boat and lose yeah. their balance and, you know, go for an unintended swim. And yep. by the end of the 100-mile trip, uh, you know, people are pulling class two rips, no yep. problem, just squinty eyes the whole way. <laughs> and it's great yeah. so, to, and to be able to be there when they have those aha moments. is That's what makes, you know, being an educator special. Yeah, and then as soon as they were done, you want to tell about uh, Norm? Yeah, so my friend Norman Latalian, if you're ever going to go canoe the Allagash, the St. John, or anywhere in northern Maine, you need to rent gear. He's your guy at Pelletier's campground. You need to shuttle. He's your guy. He's got vans. He'll shuttle you in. You can drive your vehicle to the put-in, and he'll pick up your vehicle and have it for you. The takeout. He's got a campground. Just a great guy. Been doing it forever. Um, but uh, we all stopped in at his place because uh, he did our vehicle shuttles for us, and he's the guy who picked me up when we had to evacuate the sick person. And he was talking to the group and. You know, we explained that they had carved their own paddles, that they were polling and all that. And he said, oh, well, you know, polling's pretty much dead these days. It doesn't, uh, you know, nobody does it anymore. He named off us and maybe one other outfit that still does it. And he said, it's... well, he put us right up with Ray Ritzy, which was such a cool thing. Yeah. The guy you mentioned earlier. Yeah. He's like, well, no one pulls anymore except for maybe Ray Ritzy and Chip Cochran yeah. at Allagash Canoe Trips. And so these guys, the, the, the people on the trip with us were just... It was just a super interesting thing because they all sort of, you know, felt a little bit prideful and and it was great. And, you know, one of the cool things as the guide or as the instructor on this program is that 
I feel really strongly, uh, I get a lot of pride, uh, and I'm very proud of our students for, you know, being able to pull off a trip like that. And at the end, think of all the growth that they've gone through and how much better they are at everything. And, and it's pretty awesome. So, you know, I was like, I was happy to see them feel prideful about what they had accomplished. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's an amazing thing. Even, you know, the, we always have one day that sort of feels, uh, a little bit like a, a death march kind of thing where you're just pushing hard. And the one we had this day was the day that, um, you know, the guy hurt his shoulder. And so it was even, even more compounded on, but as soon as we got into camp, it was, it was camaraderie all around having completed that together. It was a cool feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Teams are made strong and fast Yeah, in the woods. You yes. know, you talk about team building and, you know, some of the sort of contrived exercises that, corporate trainers will go through to help build team mentality and stuff but you know the anthropological model of building a team is still un it's not been bettered no put people in a tough situation together yeah where they need to work together to you separate them from the big group so we're in the wilderness as a small group that's parts done check that box have them work towards a common goal that is very difficult to achieve without people coming together as a group check that box and then make it long enough and hard enough where it's going to take, you know, you're going to put blood, sweat, and tears into it. Check that box. So then I mean, as a result, we are, you know, at this point in the course, two weeks to go. It's a very tight group Yeah. as a result. Yeah, 100%. Um, so, yeah, two, <clears throat> excuse me, two weeks to go on the spring wilderness guide training semester. Um yeah, so what do we have left? We're going to do a whole bunch of practical exams this week, like uh, axemanship testing, wet weather fire testing, navigation testing. So a lot of the testing stuff that we do is all going to take place. Yeah, and just kind week. of floating around, helping people finish up loose end projects. Bow drill is all sort of outstanding for some people, and then we turn them loose for solos. Yeah, and then we'll take off to a remote. Uh, a remote spot in the North Main Woods where we'll go do solos for a couple of nights, two two nights, three three nights, two nights, three days, two, two nights, two nights, three days. Yeah, uh, every couple of years we change that up. Yeah, uh, with the length of it. But yeah, and then we come back from that, and and essentially the course is over yeah. at that point. Turn them loose for turn them loose for therapy. So yeah, well maybe let's record the. Free lift sleeve is a separate podcast. Yeah, we've kind we of kinda, been talking for a while here. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, yeah, so yeah, uh, let's wrap this one up. So, if you've enjoyed listening to this, please leave us a review or share it with somebody or do what you do. You know the drill. Yep. Um, and yeah, thanks for listening, and we'll hit you up again soon. Yep. See you later. Bye. You have been listening to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast. For more information on our professional wilderness guide training programs that are college accredited and GI Bill approved, visit us on the web at jackmtn.com.